Rangers are martial survivalists. They're tough, but they also have adaptable features and a touch of spellcasting for withstanding what the wilderness can throw at them. Rogues are masters of stealth and subterfuge, sneaking and stabbing their way through encounters before retreating into the shadows, just so they can do it again. You put them together, and you have a legend of the forest that is only proven real as they slice unsuspecting throats. If you want to stealth roll your way into becoming a ghost of the woodlands, uh, today's episode's definitely for you. The Ranger and Rogue features overlap specifically for strategies that want to sneak up and stack damage. Both classes use very similar ability score spreads, and both have numerous class skills and bonuses to skills. You'll find the build feels very seamless in-game, without any real odd or underpowered level steps. Rogue is one of the safest classes for martial multiclassing, since you'll typically just be adding new damage to whatever they're doing. The newly reworked Ranger has a lot of class passive features that add to a martial build's effectiveness, and those additions alongside medium armor and shields are welcome boosts to the armor class of the otherwise squishy Rogue. The build stacks many different attack enhancements, and your attack talent will multiply your damage per shot. So what exactly are the downsides? As we've said on this show, the Ranger class wasn't reworked so many times because it was just so good. Rangers suffered from the situational nature of their core features, and while the revisions have largely fixed that, it's hard to say what the Ranger does better than any other class. You know, for the most part. We can achieve some very useful synergies with the Rogue class, but taking any Ranger levels is a debatable choice at the start. The other issue is the action economy. Both Ranger and Rogue features care about the bonus action, and our standard action, bonus action, and reaction isn't always enough to utilize all of our features during the same turn. At a superficial level, this is giving us more options, but in general we can be stuck in odd spots where we can't, for example, dash and hunter's mark in the same turn. And as always, multiclassing means that you forego some late game features and are slower to acquire others. A single class character has more focused powerful features, while a multi-class character will have more versatility and more options. So when does it all start to really kick in? Technically, the Ranger Rogue multi-class will start working as early as a single level in each class. You gain Sneak Attack at your first Rogue level and Favored Foe at your first Ranger level, both features that can neatly stack some extra damage to a single attack, with extra chances to trigger the features with additional attacks. However, the specific theme builds we're going for rely on the early archetype features of both classes, meaning our builds will really start to function at 6th level, taking 3 levels of each class. Now let's get into what class features we care about, starting with the Ranger class features. While not all of the following features will factor into every build, they're all the Ranger features we should keep in mind. Starting, of course, with hit points. Rangers have a D10 hit die, which is the beefiest you can get short of a Barbarian. This means we can use the Ranger to gain access to spellcasting and features without sacrificing hit points. We also have Deft Explorer. This is one of the new optional features that replace Natural Explorer, and it's all the better for it. Deft Explorer now grants double proficiency on a chosen skill, a couple extra languages, and with five Ranger levels it also grants us a fast walking, climbing, and swimming speed. And then we have Favored Foe. This is essentially the reworked Favored Enemy. It uses Concentration, which means we can't stack it with Hunter's Mark, which sad, I know, but it's still basically free damage boosts added to our weapons attacks that will scale up with our ranger levels. It also doesn't take any action, you can just choose to apply it when you hit with attack rolls, making it even more free. Even more free. That's a, that's a weird sentence. And then we have fighting styles. Just like a fighter, the ranger gains access to a fighting style that will be integral to some of our builds. 
All of our features rely on weapon attacks, and these each push a different weapon strategy by adding to attack rolls or attack damage. Now let's talk about Hunter's Mark. We get Favored Foe already, which is almost like a free, downsized version of this unique Ranger spell, but the original stuff still matters a little bit here. Hunter's Mark is a Ranger exclusive and an amazing spell that stacks an extra d6 damage for every hit we make for the rest of a combat for the low cost of a first level spell slot and a bonus action. And then a fun one, extra attack. Gained at 5th level, snagging an extra attack is an excellent way to gain more chances to triggering that sneak attack. And, I mean, extra attack, we... Do I really have to explain why that's good? And then with summon spells, some of our builds rely on some summon teamwork, and rangers have access to almost as many summon spells as druids do. Almost. A lot of the time you'll be making attacks over casting spells, but they're great options. And then we have archetype features. Rangers gain their archetype at third level, and some of them are definitely worth the dip. We'll go into each of them a little bit more later, but for now, just know that they are worth caring about. Now let's talk about some of the rogue features that we care about, starting with the most obvious, sneak attack. Raw damage on the condition that you either have advantage or your ally is within 5 feet of the target, and the weapon must either have finesse or be ranged. As we'll see, there are several ways to make this damage happen using ranger features, and a lot of the builds are focused on maximizing the damage potential of this feature. And then we have cunning action. If you're primarily a ranger with only a dash of rogue, this feature may justify the second level allowing you to dash, disengage, or dodge using a bonus action. And much like with the ranger archetypes, we'll go into the relevant options in more detail in just a second, but several of the rogue archetypes offer powerful features for the multi-class, even as early as their initial third level feature. And then we have uncanny dodge, which, while not quite as important, this ability is still pretty great uh, anytime you can have damage from a nasty hit it's worth considering. And then we have Steady Aim. This is a new optional feature gained at third level, and it essentially unlocks ranged sniper rogues as you gain the ability to give yourself advantage as a bonus action if you haven't moved that turn. And then another ability that basically just means dodging in some way, we have Evasion. While not necessarily worth the seven rogue levels, Evasion is a tried and true feature that will let you survive otherwise lethal attacks and spells. Now let's talk about ability scores. One of the nicest things about this class combination is that they rely on the exact same abilities, assuming you are going with a dexterity ranger, that is. You want your dexterity at an ability score minimum of 16, but ideally you want it as high as possible, with your constitution as a secondary consideration. Depending on how far into ranger you want to go, wisdom is used for some, but not all of our spellcasting. Weirdly, a lot of the ranger's spellcasting doesn't really need a high wisdom score to function, so you can just drop it by or keep it low, but keep wisdom in mind as a solid third ability score. Remember that your ability score increases are a bit weird for multi-class builds, so you'll be picking up an ASI at your 4th level, 8th level, and 12th level in each class, not your character overall. 1-3 to three levels are often an ideal level dip, but not taking the 4th means missing out on an ASI. Keep that in mind as you level up. Finally, the remaining three abilities, Strength, Intelligence, and Charisma, can all be dump stats for you, or at least neutral tens. When it comes to what race you should play as a fighter rogue, your best picks for this multiclass are essentially the same as the best picks for a typical rogue. You're looking at a plus two dexterity bonus in particular, and the races listed here fill that role with a little bit extra thrown in. All of these work great, but my personal favorites for this build are probably the Tabaxi or the Grung, if not just for you know, narrative coherence, I guess. Now let's get into the Ranger Rogue multi-class builds. There are all sorts of ways to multi-class, and you won't be wrong for making whatever it is you like. However, the following builds combine some synergenic features of both Rangers and Rogues to create something that's a bit more than the sum of its parts. 
First, we have the Gloom Assassin. We have talked about this build briefly here on the show. The goal of this build is to create an invisible darkness assassin who can one-shot targets with a longbow from hundreds of feet away before disappearing into the night. To accomplish this, we need three levels of ranger specifically to pick up the Gloomstalker ranger archetype and its third level class feature, Dread Ambusher and Umbral Sight. Then our remaining 17 levels go into Rogue for not only the assassin's archetype, but also as much sneak attack as we can manage. First, we want to make our dexterity as high as possible, with secondary considerations for wisdom and constitution. We also want to take the archery fighting style at level 2 for a bit of extra damage. It's also highly recommended that you go with a race that provides dark vision. Our umbral sight feature will provide it anyway, but if we already had it, the range improves, which is favorable for sniping. Here's how it works. Assassinate gives us advantage on any attack against a surprised or unaware target and turns a hit against such a target into a critical hit automatically. Dread Ambusher gives us a bonus to initiative equal to our Wisdom modifier, making it more likely that we will go first even if we're not actually ambushing. And it tosses in a free d8 of damage for our first attack in combat, which is conveniently doubled for criticals. We also have Favored Foe, adding in an extra d4, also doubled on criticals. Or, if we have the time, a Hunter's Mark can give us a d6, conveniently also doubles. We can easily make sure we get advantage so long as it's dark using Umbral Sight, which is worded oddly, but it essentially turns us invisible so long as it would normally be too dark to see us, which grants us advantage on all of our attacks. Putting this all together at level 6, 3 levels Ranger, 3 levels Rogue, you should be able to start off any combat with a devastating assassination attack for 4d8, 6d6, and plus 5 damage. That's 1d8 for the bow, 1d8 for Dread Ambusher, and 2d6 Sneak Attack, 1d6 Hunter's Mark, all dice coupled for the crit, plus 3 Dexterity Bonus, and plus 2 for the Archery Fighting Style. <sighs> That's an average of 44 damage for the first round before your enemy has even moved, and even if they survive, you're still invisible and free to take as many at-advantage Sneak Attack bow shots as it takes. And then we have the Swarm Buckler. The goal of this build is to create a hit-and-run melee character held aloft on hundreds of tiny bugs, or whatever type of swarm you would like. Personally, I don't want to uh, make it bugs, but anyway. They can swoop in, deal damage, and escape while always staying just too far away to be attacked on the enemy's next turn. This is my favorite option for melee rangers and rogues, as it keeps you survivable while dashing into melee. To accomplish this, we need three levels of rogue, specifically to pick up the swashbuckler rogue archetype and its third level features, fancy footwork and rakish audacity. Then our remaining 17 levels go into our ranger for the swarmkeeper ranger archetype and all the lovely keepaway options that the archetype brings with it. First, we want to make our dexterity as high as possible with secondary considerations for wisdom and constitution. We can also gain a bonus to initiative rolls through the Swashbuckler's features equal to our Charisma score so that it's a decent 4th place consideration, but it's not really necessary. We also want to take the dual wielding fighting style for a bit of extra damage. We want to be wielding a Rapier as a one-handed weapon, specifically because it does a d8 of damage as a finesse weapon, and since we have another hand free, we can also use a shield to buff up our AC. Basically, the way that it works is that Fancy Footwork lets us hit an enemy and negate their ability to make attacks of opportunity against us for the rest of the turn. Normally, this works most of the time to allow a Swashbuckler to get a hit in and escape without reprisal. But against enemies with higher movement speed, or in cases where you had to use a lot of your movement just to get to your target, you may not be able to get far enough away to escape them on their next turn. With the Swarm Keeper, we get the Gathered Swarm feature at third level, and once per turn, this grants us our choice of these three options. So what we can do is use our movement, which has been improved to 35 feet thanks to Deft Explorer, to get into melee. 
We use an action to make our one big attack, a dex mod damage bonus plus 1d8 rapier plus 2d6 sneak attack plus 1d6 hunter's mark. We use the gathered swarm feature to try and push the target back 15 feet as part of the attack. Then we use our bonus action to dash using our cunning action and move another 35 feet out of danger. Assuming we can get our target to fail a save, we've likely gotten 50 feet away even if we had to use all of our movement speed to reach the target to start with. We don't provoke attacks of opportunity for our escape thanks to fancy footwork. As a lovely and downright annoying bonus, the Swarm Keeper also allows access to bonus spells like Web and Gaseous Form, meaning you'll have very strong spell methods for escaping payback and controlling the battlefield as you pick off isolated targets. Continuing with Ranger at higher levels towards the late game gives us access to a fly speed through the Swarm Keeper's Writhing Tide feature at 7th level, and invisibility through the base Ranger's newly reworked Nature's Veil feature at level 10. If you would prefer to focus more on just straight damage dealing, that's totally valid to keep going on with rogue levels, but I prefer the near untouchability granted by the later ranger levels for this particular strategy. Aside from the monk-druid multi-class combo, which we will be talking about next time on this show, I think the ranger-rogue combo just makes so much sense narratively that I encourage it on that basis alone. Thankfully, mechanically speaking, there's also a lot to work with here. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. And if you guys have an idea for a multi-class or if you guys are building a Ranger Rogue multi-class character, I would love to hear all about them down in the comments. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell everyone.